Welcome to the Content Rocks Podcast, the show about all things content.ai, .NET, and Azure for people who want to learn more about headless technology. And now, here's your host, Brian McKeever. Hey everyone, as always, thank you for joining the Content Rocks Podcast. Today's episode is something I'm actually really excited about. I have a very special guest joining me, and his name is Mark Ruddock, the CEO of Content.ai. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? I'm great, Brian. Listen, thanks so much for having me on this. Oh, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out to join. I know it's been a probably you know whirlwind matter of weeks and early months of joining the team, and we'll get to that in a second. But you know, in in doing this, in case you're listening or you're watching the recording, our goal for today's episode is just to get a little bit of knowledge on how you, Mark, see you know where Content.ai is as a organization, as a product, and its mission a little bit. And then we'll kind of look into the future a little bit about where you think things are going. I know I think we mentioned it's kind of an exciting time for you and the entire Content.ai team. So I'm very interested to hear about that. But before we dive into like all the official stuff, Mark, I was wondering if, if uh, I guess if someone is not familiar with you or they haven't seen the announcement recently that you joined uh, as CEO, maybe could you just introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about your background, and maybe one thing that you're kind of passionate about that someone may not know. Sounds good. Um, well, you can see by my gray hair that I've been around for a while. Um, I'm actually a geek by training. So I started with a comp sci degree, um, built a company right out of university that was in the enterprise software space, actually focused on performance management software for the world's biggest banks. And we had Oh, JP Morgan Chase, Royal Bank, TD Scotia, like huge banks as our customers, oh. even though we were a relatively small company. And that company was acquired um, in about 2005, 2006. Uh, and then through a series of acquisitions became part of SAP, interestingly enough. Um, yeah. And after that, I went in a completely different direction, um, ended up uh, helping to build a mobile software company that uh, was acquired by BlackBerry in about 2011. And that was a completely different world for me from, you know, the hard slog of selling enterprise software to going to sleep at night and waking up in the morning with, you know, like 100,000 more downloads, right? It was a completely different world. Um, but it taught me a great deal about, you know, the, the, the power of user interface design and mobile and, and so on. Um, and then after that, I spent quite a lot of time in online financial services and actually focusing mostly on, on the world outside of North America. Um, eventually ending up running a half billion euro a year company based in Riga that had operations in 17 countries and um, was able to take a customer from onboarding to issuing a loan to having the money in their bank in literally 10 minutes. I mean, quite a revolutionary concept. And so that spread of experiences has had me, you know, learn from companies of five people to companies of 3,500 people um, and uh, and kind of everything in between. So uh, it's, it's that bundle of life experience that I'm bringing to content and really coming back to the enterprise software space for the first time in a long while. It's, it's kind of exciting to be back. Nice. All right, side question I didn't prepare you for, but just hearing your introduction, I'm yeah. totally interested. You mentioned many different company sizes in that in that wealth of experience. What size company was your favorite to work in? That's a really good question. Um, I think there is a magical, first of all, it's fun to be, you know, five people in a basement. That, sure. That's the fun, fun side. Um, 
but when you are on that 50 to 250 person journey, you are still small enough to be unbelievably dynamic. And, you know, without the, the bureaucracy and the overhead that you have to carry as a big company, um, but you're beginning to have heft that allows you to do really great things. And I'm sort of a product oriented CEO anyway. And so I find it really important to build great product and everything else comes from great product, great marketing can come from great product, sales comes from great product. It's easier to start with a differentiated product. And when you have that critical mass, you can build great product, but you don't have the complexity of 3,500 people in 17 countries around the world and that that overhead that just makes life a bit more complicated. So that's my favorite part of the journey, kind of 50 to 250. Great, great. And I heard, or well, actually, I just I, I cheated. I know that you're uh, you're sitting in Toronto right now, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And one just kind of fun thing about Toronto that you love being a part of there. Uh, so this is actually an unbelievably multicultural city. So you can walk down the street and you can spend time with people from all over the world, but that's reflected back in the food and the entertainment and the kind of vibrancy of this place. I think it's a really interesting place to be. I'm not actually from here. Okay. Um, to put it into perspective, uh, I am a Jamaican by birth, if you want to wow. take that. I'm oh, third, that generation, that? third generation Jamaican by birth. So. I kind of have, I'm an immigrant to Canada, um, but it's been home for, for most of my uh, kind of grown up life. And um, it, it's a wonderful place to be because it's well connected to the world. I spend, look, I'm in Europe every two weeks, as you can probably imagine. Right, so right. Toronto is very well connected, uh, absolutely wonderful food um, and, and kind of a diverse set of things to do. It's very accessible as a city. It's got lots of parkland, um, lots of great, you know, biking and, and kind of outdoor stuff relatively close. But it's a traffic nightmare like everywhere else in the world. And it's really <laughs> expensive now. And, you know, like all world class cities, it's got its problems. But yeah, it's home. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, I've actually been to Toronto, I think, three or four times in the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so. And every time mm -hmm. I go up there, I have a blast. Uh, it's it's an amazing city. Just, just walk around, check things out. I, I've really enjoyed my time there. So I couldn't agree more. Um, Dynamic tech scene here, though, like one yeah. of the top tech scenes in North America, if not the world at the moment, mm -hmm. fast growing, large number of jobs, serious, deep research, AI and other things being done here. Really exciting place to build a company. Fantastic. I've done that a few times here. Well, appreciate the background and get to know you a little mm -hmm. bit. We do have to kind of bring it back to this content management world that you're now leading and with, with content.ai. I know, you know, you and I kind of before the recording, we were talking and we were talking just like it's it's an exciting time to be at content.ai. And maybe could you kind of give me your perspective on as someone who's recently joined the organization and taking control of it and leading it into the future? Where, how do you see things now and, and maybe why are they exciting? And then, you know, we'll get to where they're going in the future next. Look, I think this is a pretty unique time for anything related to content. Right. So if you think about uh, all, all brands today are digital brands, first of all. And so content is a strategic asset for most companies. But but content is continuing to be challenged in a number of, I think, important ways. One, the demands for the volume of content continue to rise. The demands for hyper-personalized, hyper-localized, real-time, just-in-time delivery of content continue to grow as we move away from kind of, you know, 
web 2.0 and the static web towards really a dynamic web where what I see and what you see may be different based on what the, you know, the organization understands about us. So imagine that that, that complexity on its own is going to put pressure on content operations and content creation. Yep. But when you couple that with growing regulatory and governance challenges, in particular in industries like healthcare and other places where you've got very complicated, heterogeneous, you know, region by region differences in the rule set, taking that high volume of content and safely moving it out to the people that need to see it uh, adds an even further layer of complexity. And so the whole content operations uh, and the content supply chain has become very complicated. That's the bad news. Um, the good news is that, you know, I think we're starting to see, uh, in particular with AI, some emerging technologies that can have a transformational impact on your ability to automate a lot of what is today a mechanical Turk and assist in everything from translation to localization to even potentially legal and regulatory monitoring, brand tone of voice monitoring, and so on. Um, and, and, and all of that, I think, has created this fascinating time for the content management industry. And I'm, I think at content.ai, we believe it's truly a point of inflection. And when you have a point of inflection in an industry, that's when the Davids get to beat the Goliaths, right? And I think we see our vision around you know, the experience we have with complex content operations, the tool set we've built over the years, the deep client relationships we have, and now all of this kind of infused by our AI vision, we think that positions us um, as a very serious competitor going forward in the sector. So, you know, I think we're pretty excited by the time and place and the opportunity. That's a fantastic answer. You know, I'll echo seeing some of those same challenges working with some of the global manufacturers that we work with, with mm -hmm. content AI and BizStream. It's something that we are often asked, why, why do I have to copy and paste this from one sort of regional collection of content to the next? Or why can't the legal and privacy terms apply to this piece of content just like that? And the, the, the amount of answers that we get as to the why or how that organization functions, it, it's, it's, uh, it's always different. And it's interesting that as we go from client to client, we hear different reasons, yet same needs. They need to have complex operational support. They need to be able to segment their content and deliver it quickly to wherever they want to. But yeah, it's always kind of a different why. And I, I, that's one of the reasons that I really like working with content AI is it has the the sort of the engine behind the scenes that you can meet those needs. Uh, and it's something that we enjoy working. So I'm really had, glad to hear that, you know, that's where you see this inflection point happening. And kind of staying on on that note, is there something that you think that has changed to allow Content AI to support this better? Or do you think it's just because when Content AI first kind of released, that this was one of the longstanding plans it was trying to tackle? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, think, I think the company pretty quickly understood the potential of AI, um, but I think it was quite thoughtful and cautious about, about not just rushing into that um, and you know just pasting on or bolting on stuff uh, in an ad hoc fashion. And I think the reason why it was cautious was we serve some of the biggest brands in the world and they are extremely careful about their content and about the technologies that they deploy. And so we, we took some time to really think this problem through. I think what 
where we find ourselves now as a company, though, is in an interesting place where with a lot of the thinking behind us, it's really time for us to execute now. And the pressure that I've certainly been putting on content.ai over the last, well, 90 plus days or so that I've been here is to really begin to take some of the technology we have built, but is sort of still hidden in the lab and actually expose it to, to the world and to clients and to create a company that is going to lead by innovating quickly and releasing quickly, but safely, right? Um, and I think we, we have this, this view that, if around AI in particular, and I'm going to come and talk about non-AI stuff in a second, because I do believe sure. that there's more than just AI here, in, in the, I think, in the magic. But around AI in particular, we see this sort of two-level world where clients are struggling to understand what AI really means to them and what it means to their content operations. Um, and then they sort of understand, well, hold on one second. If we're going to deploy this at scale, it better be responsible and enterprise grade. And so we've sort of bifurcated our offering to allow clients now to experiment early with AI safely, get to know what it means, get to know how it might influence their content operations and how they think about the way they structure their content operations and their content supply chains, and really experiment with that early before they're ready to roll it out at scale, which is sort of our second level offering. Um, and we think that's pretty important. You know, I, we've... We've actually started to deliver some interesting uh, AI-powered features recently that I think are, are starting, hopefully, to indicate to the world what our vision for AI really is. But over the last, what, nine months, everybody has been writing content with AI, right? That's been the whole fun thing. Yes. You know, if you're a kid, you get to write your essay with ChatGPT, and if you're a blogger, you get to write your blog post with, you know, one variant or another of copy.ai or whatever. Um, I think that, that, you know, the the kind of typical content creation side, that's all overdone now and kind of commoditized. Um, we we don't see that as being the real value of AI. I mean, we, we think it's valuable for that to create a draft and maybe repurpose that draft to short form, long form, technical audience, non-technical right. audience, all of that sort of stuff's important. It's the way AI is going to affect the workflows and the content supply chain that we think is transformational. Automated translation, localization, legal and regulatory review, brand and tone of voice matching, and eventually potentially even learning the outputs and the outcomes of what content works well, taking those learnings back into the content creation process and allowing you to write better content next time because that content is informed by all the success that the, you know, everything that's gone before. That's a fundamental change, we think, to the way in which content is going to be written and deployed. Um, and, and I think that's really the exciting part of what we're building here now. Um, and so you're going to start to see a, a stream of things that we have branded co-pilot like everyone else has, although our, our co-pilot starts with a K for obvious branding reasons. Of course, yep. And, and co-pilot is a suite of features that is, is there as kind of a force multiplier for our clients, right? On one hand, it helps you write content very quickly um, we've got this fantastic new editor, which is Copilot enabled. And that editor enables us to literally, while you're writing the article, call on Copilot to write you an introductory paragraph or pop in a table of the top five risks from phishing or whatever it happens to be. 
And, um, and then we have Copilot, the kind of digital assistant, which allows you in a kind of conversational manner to ask questions about, um, I need to do a landing page for this uh, PDF that I'd like to kind of get out there. I need to capture a, an email from it. Can you just do all the hard work behind the scenes to spin that up for me? And, and I think that that is where we are going to start to see some really exciting, I think, enhancements um, coming out of, of content.ai. So stay tuned. Some of that's already starting to appear, um, but you're going to see a very quick cadence of releases over the next little while as we showcase more and more of what we have kind of in this iceberg behind us of the development team and, and the work we've been doing. So that's the AI piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually uh, a part of the kind of early adapter program and I've opted into some of those features. And honestly, I'm a fan of them. I've been using them for a little bit now, ever since the, the team kind of showed them to us as, as MVPs and just people providing feedback. It, the, the, the first one you mentioned about the kind of type what you need and get what you need out of that. It's a little bit of a spin on just, you know, can you autocomplete a sentence or, or predictively fill in a sentence for me? So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that one. And, you know, the rest of the, the co-pilots, yeah, I, I actually can't wait to see that. I've seen, you know, you've showed me just maybe some, some pictures yeah. of that. Uh, and I'm very excited to see that come out. Uh, but you I do want to get things, you know, not, to, not just the AI feature. So, yeah. So could you tell us a little bit more about like the rest of the, the yeah. way you see things changing? So if you look at AI and you think about how we're thinking about AI, as I said, it's this force multiplier kind of concept. And so the question we're asking ourselves is, in what other ways can we create force multipliers with our software, right? Mm -hmm. And there are two other streams of work that we're doing that, that, that I think are very important. One of them uh, is called mission control. And one of the first things I did when I joined content.ai was I sat down with a number of our customers and I sort of said, look, I'm the naive new guy, tell me, why you like us, why you don't like us, and what you are dreaming about doing, right? What, what, what could we help you do better? And one thing that kept coming back over and over was this desire to have a bird's eye view of your content operations, understand where there were workflow stoppages, understand where you, know, you were seeing improvements or, or not in the way in which content flowed, um, trying to uh, look at everything from content performance to the um, you know authors to um, you know blockages in the workflow because legal was always taking like ten times longer than you expected to get content out the door, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that um, mission control is a family of features you're going to see us roll out literally every couple of weeks now over the next few months that deepens your ability to look across your content supply chain and really understand what's working and what's not working. Allocate content to authors that are available versus those that are not. Um, be able to look at understanding the fundamental return on content that you are getting from your content operations. And as you know, because you've been, you've been reading and hearing kind of our new mission, which is trying to deliver an unparalleled return on content to our customers, the ability to understand how to optimize your content operations is critical, we think, to that. So mission control is a family of things that will give you that visibility um, and, uh, and kind of transparency into what's happening across the entire content supply chain. The, the third element is a family of um, kind of capabilities we have called fast path. 
you know, it, it really struck me when I when I joined content.ai that, you know, if you wanted to trial our piece of software, it was a little bit like going to a car dealership and being asked to assemble the car first before you took it for a test drive. And that just seemed like absolutely insane to me. And so, you know, I challenged the team. I said, well, what if when you started content.ai for the first time, you could pick and choose from any number of use cases and we would build a best in class content model for you and we'd populate it with some sample content, but we'd also build the head for you. We'd give you some a React website where you could see how the APIs were called so that the content flowed end to end and you could actually understand what content.ai was all about within five minutes of kind of notionally opening the box. Um, but we think it's much more than that. We think that, that there's a world now where headless CMSs are beginning to develop the kind of maturity and sophistication that we have seen legacy CMSs have for years. And part of that maturation is around repeatability and automation. And so take the next step of FastPath being, I've now created my own websites and my own uh, you know, content models in my company. I'd like to be able to templatize those so that the next time I spin up a regional website, I can do it literally by picking it out of the library. And so that's sort of phase two. And I think phase three is we'd like our partners who are specialists in various verticals to bring their best in class content models and, and examples of their work into the library so that clients can go, you know what, I could take a biz stream um, content model of, I don't know, healthcare or manufacturing or whatever, and I could be two thirds of the way to best in class right out of the box. Um, and that way we give you guys brand recognition and, and we, we help you effectively do the same thing that we're trying to do, do with FastPath, which is show what great looks like and, and have it one click away. And so I think this family of AI powered features, um, the kind of visibility and control you get from mission control, and then this, mm -hmm. this kind of automation that you're gonna get from FastPath is I think those are three indicative things that will hopefully hint at what's coming from content.ai going forward. Well, it's fantastic. And even that last one with the fast path, I mean, that is a challenge that almost all platforms have to yeah. tackle in some ways. And some definitely do it better than others. You know, I, mm -hmm. I would love to be able to have all that stuff now for my next project that's starting soon. Uh, but I understand, you know, it'll, it'll take a little bit and, and you've got to get some of the the uh, AI features into that to support that as well. So mm -hmm. I don't know how you're going to do it all in such a short time, but I'm very excited to hear the news because uh, I think those are three common things that all of the consumers of, of, of this market are looking for and trying to figure out, like, I actually want to go back to one thing you said a while ago in terms of we're past the point of people just think generative AI is cool. Like yeah. it's, it's been months now with chat GPT and, it, it now it has to become realistic and deliver business value for it to be considered cool any longer. Uh, and I think that's something that from what I've seen so far, content AI is doing, I'm very excited about the future for that. So, yeah, we're, we're very, um, we're very serious about it. And so, you know, you kind of alluded to how, how on earth are you guys going to do all of this stuff? Um, and I think that, that, you know, what I've learned over my, my unfortunately many years of, of being in these businesses is that, um, if you overcomplicate things, they will take a long time to do. If you are very focused, if you're laser focused on what you're doing and you break the big problems down into smaller pieces, waypoints, if you want to call it that, like a, mm -hmm. you know, an, an, an air travel, um, 
you can actually deliver real value in smaller increments, but very, very quickly. And, you know, a, a great example of this was a hackathon we had internally at content.ai only a few weeks ago. And I challenged the team, said between, you know, one town hall and the next town hall, I want you guys to come back and show off something that didn't even exist at that town hall. And we do these town halls every month, right? Um, and of course, I, I immediately got like a series of fearful stares. Um, <laughs> but but they the guys really put their heads together and they, they actually came up with two streams of work, one across the month, which delivered some really interesting things and one a two day hackathon. And in that two-day hackathon, there were three AI features that came out of that and one supplementary feature. Uh, I think two of those three features are already in production. 48 hours of work, interesting enough feature, stabilized enough that it's in production, and two of the others are very close to being in production. And they weren't trivial pieces of work. One of them was um, a new smarter asset capability we have. So you know when you build a content model and you, you build your asset library, you're going to bring a lot of pictures in and and historically you've had to tag those pictures manually because if you want to write a blog post and you want a picture of a dolphin you better have tagged those dolphins in your you know approved library or else right. you're never going to find them again and so what what one of the teams did really brilliantly i think is just simply said well why don't we just use ai as you're uploading images into the content library to fully tag them using ai so that we can search for them in a highly granular fashion um, that's an incredibly powerful feature it's incredibly valuable to clients who can now search by what's in the image, not by the name of the image or some artificial tagging. And, and that speeds content operations, right? Because when you're assembling a piece of content, if it takes you five seconds to find something versus five minutes to find something, that all adds up. That, Brian, is a great example of the speed at which this company is capable of innovating. And I think you're going to have to expect, and certainly I expect, to see much more of that over the next little while. And that's what makes this whole thing exciting. Right. And that's part of the value of having a true SaaS based global yes. powered CMS. Right. And that's yeah. why I love using it. Uh, okay. Well, Mark, I do have a feeling that you and I could probably sit here and talk for like another hour or two about all these topics. And I have at least 13 questions I could probably ask you, but at this point uh, I want to start thinking about closing things up and I've got let me like two questions left for you that I want to get to. The first being, you know, you had mentioned that, Content AI sees itself as a perfect fit for a tool with organizations that have complex content operations. And maybe there's someone listening to the podcast or watching and, and they they're, they fit that that criteria and they are even a, an existing customer. Is there a great way that they could find out more from you or they want to get a hold of you, they have questions or how would you recommend the best way to kind of reach out and, and find out more about some of these features? Sure. So I think if they're an existing customer, um, uh, they probably hopefully at least have a great relationship with one of our CSMs, I would contact that, that individual and say, look, can we grab some time with Mark and the executive team to talk product roadmap uh, because we've got some ideas. We are establishing a strategic customer roundtable and we're also establishing a strategic partner roundtable that are a little bit different from some of the work we've done in the past. We want these to be kind of closed sessions where we can really look deeply into the future. And so if customers have got really interesting challenges that they'd like to bring to the table, then it would be a great a great place to kind of have that discussion. The other thing they can do is just simply reach out to me at mark.ruddick at content.ai and I'd be more than happy to respond. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, you can find me pretty easily. Uh, I am eagerly involved in these conversations today because it's really helping us refine our product roadmap. You know, um, to the point you just made, uh, 
there are deep, interesting use cases represented in our clients today. And, and, and how we understand those use cases and build software to be even better at serving them is what's going to set us apart. And so, you know, if you've got something really complex you want to come and talk to me about, I would love to hear it. Fantastic. Fantastic. And then last question, super important. Yep. All the way back to the top, you mentioned Toronto is a great food city. Lots of diversity. What, sir, is your favorite kind of food to have in Toronto? Okay, well, this is, this is going to be a bad a bad answer for you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> the, the, the favorite thing I, I enjoy more than anything else in the world is ice cream. And and I actually okay. have been starting to tease my friends by taking pictures of the ice cream I'm eating in beautiful places around the world. Um, it's called, you know, eating. It's my new hobby, basically, is eating ice cream in beautiful places. But I would have I to it. say that ice cream is by far the most important thing in my life. It has been since I was two. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, I think the multicultural food scene here is great. Thai food here is superb, awesome. you know, South Asian food, et cetera. So uh, I'll eat anything. I'm, I'm kind of a, a Labrador, you know, if you can take that analogy. I'll, I'll eat just about anything you give me. But ice cream is my favorite. Well, as a way to say thank you, the next time we're together in the same place, whether it's Toronto, whether it's Grand Rapids here, maybe over in Brno, I promise you, sir, I will buy you some ice cream because uh, I will enjoy I, it right there with I you. I would love that. I'm uh, really as appreciate a Thank you for uh, joining me on the podcast. So I do appreciate your time for sure. My pleasure. Thanks, Brian. All right. So that, everyone, that's been the latest episode of the Content Rocks podcast. Please check us out at the YouTube channel or on Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you can find podcasts. And with that, we will see you all next time.